And welcome once again to Father Spitzer's Universe at the busy intersection of faith and reason. I'm Doug Keck, your host, your guide. Of course, your questions are very important to us on this program, Spitzer's Universe at EW10.com for all those questions for Father Spitzer. And check out Father's websites. There's the Magis Center, CredibleCatholic.com, and even PurposefulUniverse.com. And be sure to check out our EWTN On Demand page and our EWTN YouTube channel where you can find Father Spitzer's Universe, as well as a wonderful uh, film documentary that relates to what happened in Ukraine under Soviet occupation. It'll give you a better understanding of why they're fighting so fiercely. But that's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, anytime you can go there. Today's show topic, appropriately in a lot of ways, how the devil works. I think we're, we're seeing that happen in front of us, writ large, what, what is going on in Ukraine. And from Father's Book of Cross, Christ versus Satan in our daily lives, which is, of course, available through our religious catalog, EW10RC.com. Another fine book by another fine author is our book of the month, You Shall Stand Firm. Preserving the Faith in an Age of Apostasy by Father William Casey uh, and uh, Mercy Father. He is terrific. He doesn't pull any punches. Check that book out. And speaking of not pulling any punches, we turn now to the West Coast on our own Father Spitzer. How are you, Father? I'm doing great. Thanks, Doug. So on this Ash Wednesday, maybe uh, appropriately you could pray for uh, our EWTN Ukrainian uh, co-workers as well as all the people in Ukraine who are suffering at this moment. You bet. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for all the blessings that you give us. And as we begin our Lenten journey this day, our, this Ash Wednesday, we ask especially for peace, peace uh, in the Ukraine. Um, please give uh, a real sense of fortitude and uh, and uh, confidence to these people in Ukraine as uh, they are um, uh, experiencing an outrage that is very, very difficult to comprehend. Please, Lord, bless them, keep them safe. Keep our co-workers in EWTN uh, uh, Ukraine safe as well um, so that uh, they might be able to maintain uh, broadcasting mm -hmm. uh, for us and with us. Ask you also, Lord, to help us in our Lenten journey to send your Holy Spirit down upon Doug, myself, our whole crew and our audience this day so that everything we do and say will be brought to fruition in your will for the good of your people and your church and your kingdom. Amen. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. amen. And Mary, seat of wisdom, and Mary, queen of peace, pray for amen. us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen, amen, Father. Thank you so much. In fact, we got uh, a note from uh, Father Zelinsky, uh, who's an OMI, who's a director of our uh, EW10 Ukraine, actually an email mm -hmm. earlier this morning and where he uh, kind of thanks uh, all the brothers and sisters, everybody who's been praying. It's important for us to feel solidarity and support from all of you in the monastery in Ukraine where I'm currently staying with my confreres and firm where a temporarily running EWT in Ukraine TV. There is also activity for aiding refugees and others in need during this time of war. So keep them in your prayers and believe it or not, at this point in time at least uh, they are still on the air. I mean, the, the, the channel itself was a miracle that it came up and started to work. It was, it's an amazing operation. Uh, so we really pray yeah. for those people. And, you know, uh, unfortunately, I think uh, 
as this has uh, extended on, obviously Putin uh, it seems like he's heading for some sort of Pyrrhic victory at best, where he's starting yeah. to uh, get into the indiscriminate bombing. In fact, there were some pictures from uh, yeah. yesterday, I think, uh, where they actually bombed the Roman Catholic Diocese Curial Office in Kharkiv, yeah. which is. Uh, right yep. by the border closer to Russia where uh, yep. more of the uh, right. traditional Russians live but uh, anyway it's just uh, it's just really tough so we got to keep them in our prayers and remind everybody yeah. and I'll mention it now uh, during our break you're going to see a promo for a docudrama uh, called To Believe that was produced in Ukraine by the Ukrainians who work with us there and uh, it's powerful uh, deals with uh, the oppression that they suffered under the Soviet Union, especially under under uh, Stalin in the early days. Stalin, and, yeah. And it's uh, it's an on on demand platform. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's so good. I just want people to know they can go find it on demand for free, 24/7. But anyway, the promo will be coming up. Let's turn to uh, kind of Ash Wednesday, since obviously mm -hmm. it is Ash Wednesday, and a couple of uh, different questions I had for you. Uh, there was an article sure. uh, that was our own CNA put out and it talked about uh, uh, Ash Wednesday. So I had a couple of questions. So of the two, remember you are dust to dust, you shall return or repent and believe in gospel. Which do you tend to use? Uh, remember uh, that you are destined to dust, you shall return. And I use it because of the old advice given in the imitation of Christ, um, where he basically says, you know, it really helps to remember that we are mortal, that we're going to die, that we're going to be judged. And in light of all of that, um, you know, what are we going to do about it? And how are we going to strengthen our relationship with the Lord? How are we going to try and strengthen our path uh, toward moral conversion? How are, what are we going to do? And then that whole idea of trying to take little steps or sometimes, uh, you know, in, in the case of our lives, we can also take big steps um, that uh, can really help us on the path not only to moral conversion and spiritual conversion, but bring us much, much closer to the Lord in prayer, um, much more aware of His love for us and um, much more aware of His healing presence and His protective presence uh, if we but cooperate with it, right. um, with that presence in our lives. So um, I think uh, I use it because I think everybody you know, everybody gets it. Right, you know, right, I think right. the other um, one formula is a very good formula too. I, I think you know that uh, uh, repentance and belief in the gospel is is Jesus's message. Of course, remember, you know, mm -hmm. as he comes into Galilee, uh, his message is the Kairos is here. the The time is here. Um, the you know the the kingdom of God is at hand. It's mm -hmm. it's in your presence. It's in your midst. And then he goes on to say, repent and believe in the gospel. So um, that's Jesus's um, um, uh, wonderful uh, phrasing. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a very good one too, but boy, I'll tell you, mortality sure brings things home. And uh, I think it brings the, the real symbolism of the ashes on our forehead home and it brings home the necessity for mm -hmm. uh, taking direct steps toward moral conversion. So it's just great, uh, that's the one I use. Well, let me ask you, where do you get your ashes from? Do you, are you ever involved in making them, or are they supplied at, no. are they all palms from They're supplied from at Christ Cathedral here. Okay. Yeah, that's are, right. Are they ones Christ from Cathedral. Palm Sunday the year before, or could yep. they be palms? That's okay. right. Okay. 
Yeah, so. yeah, that's right. And uh, somehow they were magically delivered to us. Okay. So uh, uh, up in the chapel, so uh, where I say mass uh, in you know at noon uh, every day. Okay. Uh, let me ask you one other question, and I, I have something else about palm, sure. about it and the palms. But uh, so, what are you giving up this year? <laughs> oh well, I'm I'm not being particularly creative, so mm. of course I'm going to give up. I I have the occasional bottle of beer at mm. a dinner sometimes, and so that's gone. Uh, that'll be given up, and then mm. of course I I like uh, the occasional lemon cake or ice cream, so uh, that's gone. Uh, so giving that up and. Uh, uh, you know, uh, there's a mm. prayer called the Examine Prayer that Jesuits mm. use, uh, which is directed toward moral conversion. And I'm going to put more time and more intentionality into my Examine Prayer in the evening mm -hmm. and uh, do a little bit in the morning as well, uh, you know, to really be intentional about moral conversion in the okay. Lenten season. So those are my little uh, uh, items. <laughs> okay, very good. There was also an article in... Uh, in uh, the Catholic Thing, which is uh, Rob Royal's uh, publication, this is by a different author, but he was talking about the fascination of ashes, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. This, uh -huh. uh, this priest writes, what is this strange Catholic fascination with ashes? By the day's <laughs> end, in the Church of the Holy Innocents, three blocks north of Macy's in Midtown Manhattan, priests will have imposed ashes on the foreheads of thousands of people, fervent Catholics, lukewarm Catholics, apostate Catholics, and non-Catholics. And not only in New York City, but all around the world. What power does the smudge of ash exert? What's your thoughts exert, on that? Well, just exactly what I was saying a little earlier. Yeah. I think it is the call to moral conversion. And to put it in, into the contemporary lingo, it's the whole thing of getting people to say, I got to get my act together. Mm -hmm. And this time, uh, you know, this is a time when, you know, Lent is initiated, yes, with the ashes, but it's that time when you get those ashes. It's not just a symbolism, I'm a Catholic and I wear it proudly, though some people probably do that mm -hmm. for that reason. But there is also the thought of, I got to get my act together. Mm -hmm. This Lent, I'm going to get my act together. And so a, a lot of people really see it as a turning point. Mm -hmm. uh, and what does metanoia mean? Mm -hmm. But a turning away from sin and toward God, a, a turning point. Mm -hmm. So the idea of repentance, metanoia, that certainly, I think, is one of the big motivators of the ashes. And then it's a, like it's when you get the ashes, you, you sort of know. Okay, mm -hmm. I, I want to do my Lenten confession. I mean, it galvanizes the whole thing of, you know, this is the beginning of Lent. You're going to be giving some things up during Lent. There's the Lenten confession or two, you know, that really put, you know, this thing together. I, 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 there's a lot of things I'm not so mm -hmm. proud of from the uh, last year or something. I want to do that confession. And a lot of people uh, really will make it to one of the hmm. Lenten penance services. Um, and, they, you know, they're almost every week uh, on Saturday, starting with the third week of Lent. I mean, they're just in every parish all over the place. And you really do get hundreds of people going to these uh, penance services. And because of COVID, I'm figuring, you know, now that COVID's basically over, mm. um, you're going to get a lot of people going to those penance services mm -hmm. who've been holding off for a year and a half. We certainly hope so. We hope that's the case. Yeah, uh, one other, I hope so. One other story before we get to uh, some questions that people sent in. Uh, there was that vote on, uh, as described by the Catholic vote, a radical abortion bill fails 
of March yeah. the Dems ahead of the midterms. And it goes on to say, Senate Democrats failed to pass the Women's Health Protection Act. Ah, talk about a, a, yeah. a, a phony name, right? At, uh, they, yeah. It was 46-48. It was put down. Uh, yeah. The bill would have needed 60 votes anyway and so from a filibuster, yeah. and so they didn't have to go there. All Republicans mm -hmm. voted no on the bill. The only Democrat who voted positive, voted against the bill was Joe, Joe Manchin, Manchin, of course. Mm -hmm. But one of the ones, and there's 13 different quote-unquote Catholic uh, senators who voted for this yeah. thing. Uh, you know, it's amazing. You never, you, the only reason you know any of these people are Catholic is because they printed out somewhere in a sheet. Because you'd never yeah. know it by, by listening to what they have to say for most of them. But the one that was really yeah. disappointing and I, I, is Senator Bob Casey. Whose, whose father was a major pro-life warrior and who always said he was still pro-life mm -hmm. and incredibly disappointing. Yeah. The other ones are just the kind of the, what were the you know, you, the, the, the typical people who show up all the time like Dick Durbin and some of the other ones. But, yeah. You know, it's just yeah. unfortunate. So. Well, I, I agree, and I, I, I have to tell you, this was a very radical abortion bill. You right. can call it the Women's Health you know, Protection Act uh, or whatever euphemism you want to use, but the point uh, pretty clearly is nine months right to pregnancy, and this was going to be a federal mandate, so it's going to overcome all states' rights. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, I mean, these, this is, you know, you're going to elect these, you know, I'm not saying EWTN people are going to elect mm -hmm. these, these people but I'm just we ought to be spreading the word uh, you know these people who voted for this bill which is pretty much every Democrat except Joe Manchin mm -hmm. I think there were six uh, um, senators who did not show up to vote mm -hmm. and maybe they did that intentionally or maybe they didn't I don't know but mm -hmm. the main thing is is most of them showed up to vote and right up to the point of pregnancy so I mean if you I mean even partial birth abortion is, is permitted and this is by federal mandate. So right. it's wiping out states' rights right before we could possibly get a decision, um, you know, that comes out of the Dobbs, um, you know, versus Mississippi, or Jackson uh, uh, Women's Health Organization. If we get, uh, you know, a decision that would turn it back to the states, this was like, a, you know, an attempt ahead of time mm -hmm. to, to zoom in, impose yet another federal mandate to wipe out the state's rights in determining this most important issue concerning human life. And, and again, you know, just a big club of the, the federal government coming down on people. And, and you, know, I, you know, just look at your representatives, everybody. You know, I mean, if they're voting for this, they're voting against your state's uh, capacity and your capacity within the states to make a free and democratic choice about a culture of life. This is, they've come down now on the line. They've made this decision. They voted for this thing right up to partial birth abortion time. Okay, I, I just, I leave it to you. Is this who you want in office? I, I mean, I, I, I'm just it's so, I think it's just, uh, you know, incredibly, um, you know, off the charts, over the wall, pushed beyond the limit. And, and uh, yet, you know, you've got, you know, 46 votes for it. I, I'm just shocked. And thank goodness for Joe Manchin, because at least he's got the guts to vote his conscience. And I think he should be applauded, quite frankly. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm thankful for, for that. And I'm thankful for, of course, uh, the, the others who, who voted, right. the 48 that voted, uh, uh, or the additional 47 that voted. Uh, against the bill. It makes me think when you say that, I wonder for the for the 
Catholic Democrats who voted for it, were they voting their conscience? That could really be scary. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Or is it know. just politics? I, I, well, who knows, because, right. you know, I'm no judge of anybody's conscience. But Absolutely. one thing is for sure, I can tell you this, man, uh, uh, I don't know how you vote for a bill like this. And you think one second uh, earlier and you can kill him. And then one second later, you can't kill a fully viable, perfectly beautiful baby. Mm -hmm. And you're voting for this? You think this is necessary for human, uh, you know, for, for women's health protection? This is a very funny thing to be asking for protection of women's health by killing perfectly viable babies who are not only viable, they're viable the second you, you're in, in partial birth. They're, they're, they're viable right then and there. And you, you're, you're going to permit killing them by this bill and wiping out our rights to vote against it i mean i, I just think we got to just stop it i mean let's just stop it right now and just say this has gotten out of hand we're so pro-death in this country and by the way most americans do not want this pro-death legislation right up to the time of of uh, uh you know the um uh, of birth. They just right. don't. They, they, they want truly uh, something uh, much, much uh, more modified. And I think, uh, you know, trying to literally wipe out Texas's bill, you know, perfectly uh, good bill, you know, the time of fetal heartbeat, you know, this is going to be an attempt to wipe that out too. So just, just remember, you know, your religious liberties are on the line too, mm -hmm. not just the, the culture of life. And just look at, you know, vote your conscience, mm -hmm. you know, and, and uh, vote what you think will be good for this country and what you think will be good for the religious liberty of people and what you think will be good for the state's rights that, you know, of the state that you belong to. You know, I just leave it at that. Right. I, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm very, I just think the bill was so radical. Right. I was shocked that it got 46 votes. I just sat there in complete amazement. I mean, I was thankful beyond belief that right, it, right, it was defeated right. uh, 48 to 46, but I, I'm still just sitting here going, what? You know, it's just like it's over the top. Well, it's it really, so extreme. And it shows how we've moved from this kind of phony baloney, well, I'm pro-choice, to these people are just pro-abortion. I mean, period. Yeah, they're, well, they're not just pro-abortion. They're pro-abortion pro right up to birth. Well, pro-death, yeah, really, it's, like it's, you said. Yeah, pro-death, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, let's get to some uh, couple of uh, letters that came in and questions and emails. Uh, uh, always uh, some interesting takes on some of your takes. Here's one. Dear Father Spitzer, I heard you make a blanket judgment on marijuana. I think the developing brain is indeed negatively affected by the substance. However, in the elderly, it has been used successfully to treat nausea from chemotherapy, pain management, other uses. A cardiologist friend says marijuana will be the next wonder drug for the elderly. Lee. Well, Lee, I got to tell you uh, this. Uh, we have a lot of studying we have to do before we can make that blanket judgment. So, I mean, you, you uh, think that uh, that uh, we have medically established that marijuana will be a wonder drug for the elderly? I wonder. I wonder what it will do to the elderly person, the synapses of elderly people's brains. I'll wonder what it would do uh, to exacerbate uh, difficulties with dementia. I wonder what it will do when you start introducing uh, a, a series of uh, basically hallucinogens uh, mm. that might uh, have uh, properties to alleviate pain. 
And if it's, you know, if this is medically necessary to alleviate pain and prescribed by a physician to do so, I'm not saying that right. I would uh, prohibit that. Uh, what I'm saying, though, is before we can say this is going to be the next wonder drug for the elderly, we got a lot, a lot, a lot of studying to do. And I suspect that this is an overstatement of the cardinal order, uh, and, you know, and an exponential order. And I can tell you right now mm -hmm. that I think there's going to be a lot of side effects to elderly people, not just in the area of dementia, but in the area of motor skills, in the area of, uh, you know, frankly, uh, the ignition of synapses in the brain and a variety of other things. Mm -hmm. So I, I have to tell you, I just don't think uh, um, this has been established by any stretch of the imagination. So, Lee, I, I probably if I were you, I wouldn't get out on the bandwagon uh, yet about the, this being uh, the, the right. panacea for the elderly. I would probably wait and see what the studies reveal, which I suspect will not right. just be affecting the development of the brain, but will be affecting the brain in its later stages of life, which are more, uh, you know, sensitive right. uh, to uh, neuronal, uh, Im uh, you know, imbalances, and of course to chemical tampering with right. hallucinogens um, in in the brain. Right. Well, exactly, and I think one of the things. Uh, when you commented on this, we were talking about a study, and it was really having to do with a lot of young people. We weren't talking about elderly people, yeah. uh, you know, in the yeah. final stages of terminal cancer. You know, it's always like yeah. you get yeah. the worst case well, scenario, uh, like you said. You know, yeah. we're not talking about that situation. The other thing is, is that you know, and I have no idea, but years ago, there, you know, a hundred years ago, you could get this elixir, and all the pain went away. Uh, you know, it was wonderful, except you became addicted well, yeah, to uh, the opium. <laughs> Or the heroin, yeah, or whatever exactly. they were, or the morphine. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, like you said, and also the idea, once something becomes a panacea, then it really makes me mm. nervous. When something yeah. comes out oh, yeah. and it's used for one thing, and you think, well, maybe that's good, but magically, all of a sudden, it, it becomes like the answer to all of these problems. And then that happens, you start wondering, really? Does it really do all those things? You know? That's right. Uh, yeah. It really doesn't do all of those things. In fact, there are always many more side effects right. uh, than the, uh, the uh, pro, uh, uh, you know, heroin or pro-morphine constituents would, would have you uh, say. And, um, you know, of course, if a person is in a state of uh, real pain in, in right. terminal illness or a real, uh, what I would call, you know, continual uh, pain, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, it's not just marijuana, please use morphine, right. you know, I mean, that's got a very high therapeutic index, so, you know, you can still maintain some cognition mm -hmm. while you take rather high doses of the morphine, and it doesn't really block respiration until you have super, super high doses of it uh, mm -hmm. in a person who's ill. So, yes, I would pr say, yes, use morphine, much more addictive than marijuana uh, would certainly be, and that's certainly a drug, but we have always uh, allowed that, um, you know, for pain control in the Catholic Church, mm -hmm. uh, because it's it's a humane uh, thing, and and of course, when you when you're in terminal illness, mm -hmm. addiction is your least worry. So I mean, right. there's all kinds of well thought right, out positions right, right, on this right. by the Catholic Church, and I wasn't certainly trying to be stricter no, than the Catholic not. Church has been over the centuries. But like you said, we need to be careful. I remember uh, my mother yeah. suffered horribly from arthritis and things when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. And cort cortisone yeah. came out, and that was the wonder drug. You, you took yeah. this stuff, yeah. and uh, you were running around the house, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. you know, steroids have a bigger downside 
as we studied them longer and longer of yeah. how they could impact people. So we always have to oh, be yeah. careful about the longer mm -hmm. term impact of these things. Next up, another Absolutely. person who had a question about one of uh, your answers. Mm -hmm. uh, Dear Father Spitzer, recently on the show you discussed the child Jesus' understanding of his divinity. You implied he may have learned about it from his mother or that he intuited it. Both St. Cyril of Alexandria and St. Maximus the Confessor held that the inner consciousness of Jesus was totally united with the Godhead even in utero. Your comments would seem yeah. to place you in the camp of the Nestorians, uh, where I'm sure oh, you no. do not intend no, to no. be. Uh, so you're not nesting with the Nestorians. <laughs> Mark has but got I'm some not, concerns. But I'm not nesting with the monophysites either, you know, <laughs> okay. the monophysites. So I'm trying to avoid both extremes because, of course, one, you know, of course, in his inner being, in, in his self-consciousness, Jesus is one with the Father. That the, his self-consciousness is his divine personhood, his divine self-consciousness, and that's the one person of Jesus. So yes, he's totally uh, aware on that level. However, he does have a human brain, and the one thing you can't do is make the human brain become, uh, you know, uh, divinized when you know Jesus Christ is true God and true man. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Jesus actually had to learn how to speak. From, from whom? From his mother. And of course, he did have to learn how to use sentences from his mother and his father and so forth and so on, because he was a true human being. Now, we don't want to remove that because then we move into the monophysite, right, the, 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 the monophysite heresy, mm -hmm. and we, we don't want to go there either uh, to avoid Arianism. And, and so, so it, it, we always walk an extreme line. Now, just uh, again, just getting back to your point, um, in my view, and you know, I'm certainly uh, no authority on this, but I'm trying to protect both his humanity and his divinity, um, and his divinity is unquestioned in my mind, mm -hmm. he knows intuitively that he is God through his inner self-consciousness, which is one with the Father. I do not dispute that one bit. Mm -hmm. However, trying to communicate this to his brain is a completely different matter mm -hmm. because his brain, as a true human being, uh, brain, is in the state of development. Mm -hmm. And so, slowly mm -hmm. but surely, did his mother have to teach him prayers? Yes. Intuitively, is he still one with the Father in his divine personhood? Yes, he is. But he's going to learn how to say prayers from his mom. He's going to learn initially about the scriptures and the law from his dad, like all human beings do. Now, when Jesus learns about the law and when he learns how to pray, is he like every other human being? Not quite, mm -hmm. because, of course, what galvanizes in him when he is praying is, of course, it's, it's galvanizing. It's, it's basically setting off his a whole divine personhood, his connection with God, which makes him, as I said in my previous program, exceedingly special. He becomes more and more conscious, and he has a way of articulating um, what he is um, uh, experiencing and a way of praying and connecting with God in a way that could not be in any other child with a sense of knowledge and an, inner, uh, an awareness of the heart of the Father that could not be in any other child. Oh, but did he learn how to pray? Yes, he did. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Uh, did he learn uh, how to, um, uh, to to read the scriptures? Yes, he did. Did he learn the law from his dad? Yes, he did. And if mm-hmm. he didn't, then he wasn't truly human, and you just divinized his humanity and basically uh, went right across the line to the Monophysite heresy, mm-hmm. uh, where Jesus is a god, but he's only the appearance of human being. Right. Alas, he didn't have to go through pain, didn't have to go through learning, didn't have to go through development, didn't have to go learn how to speak. Mm-hmm. It was all there, you know, And but it, it, apparently it looked like he was just human, but in fact he really wasn't. So that's my attempt, mm-hmm. you know, to, to try and avoid the two extremes. Um, but, uh, you know, you're welcome to uh, interpret it or accept it as you wish, and I'm sure there are theologians much, much smarter than me uh, who can come up with a better synthesis, but that's the best this poor little brain can do. Well, I doubt it, and certainly not in this universe. <laughs> with that, we're going to take this break. <laughs> we're going to be back with much more of Father Spitzer's universe. Again, look for a great uh, ad coming up on our on-demand service. It's a video about a program called To Believe. Okay, take a look at this and check out that program on our on-demand service. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Father Spitzer's Universe. Hopefully uh, you saw that promo and you'll be checking out our on-demand. Also, a couple of books that are quite in demand for Holy Lent, Making of a Holy Lent by Father William Casey and his confrere, Father Wade Menezes, who everybody knows, for Last Things. Every time he's on, we the, the emails come in, and they're all positive, unlike this program where we get some negative ones once in a while. But with that said, we'll turn to Father Spitzer uh, because all his books are available through EWTN's religious catalog too. As long as he, he keeps he keeps putting them out there, and we keep trying to move them along into people's houses. Here's a here's a letter from somebody uh, for us, Father. Uh, Dear Father Spitzer, neither my wife nor I were raised with a strong faith background. Uh, welcome to the club, uh-huh. and we both were poorly catechized in our youth. I must grow up in the '60s and the '70s. <laughs> Only after yeah. we were married did we develop a strong interest in now slowly learning what we missed all those years, hopefully because of this program and, and EW10 in general. Oh, um, I'm editorializing here, I have to admit. Unfortunately, we <laughs> cannot pass on what we do not have yet. How can we ensure our children get the training they need to understand their faith? And this is from Tom. And I was thinking, I was trying to figure out where could they possibly turn? Hmm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> who might have a website Tom? that might be good for this? <laughs> well, not to be too self-serving, Tom, but uh, the, the first thing I would recommend is to go to CredibleCatholic.com because if they are really wondering about, you know, is there any evidence for God, any evidence for Jesus, any evidence for a transcendent soul that will survive bodily death, any evidence for the church, any evidence for miracles, any evidence for Eucharistic miracles, etc. If they're really looking for that stuff, go to CredibleCatholic.com and just click on the seven essential modules and watch it with them. I mean, these, these videos that you get there, they're only like 35 minutes each. There's seven of them. 
but it'll cover the whole range of evidence factors right up through uh, the four levels of happiness and why does God allow suffering in the world. So all these things, you know, these are like the, the, the preliminary questions that every kid today is asking. And the, the answers, they're good answers with good evidence from science, from philosophy, excellent stuff. It's right there on CredibleCatholic.com. Mm -hmm. Just click on the seven essential modules. That's the first thing. Then there's some really good books on the catechism. Now, I realize that just recommending the catechism to your child is probably going to uh, produce the reaction of, I can't understand um, a lot of this. But there's some really good uh, programs on the catechism, and there's also some very good um, uh, things that have been put out by uh, good organizations like Dynamic Catholic uh, that have some um, mm -hmm. programs there where you can look at um, special, you know, specially geared for young people, uh, some, you know, ways of looking at special parts of the catechism um, through the lens of how a young person might be looking at mm -hmm. them. So really good stuff that's out there, but that's what I would do. Um, get, get them back mm -hmm. to the catechism. Uh, the catechism itself might be rather tough, but first bring them to CredibleCatholic.com because I'm telling you, if they don't have a sense that you know, really good evidence out there for God, the soul, and Jesus, etc. And, you know, they don't have a sense of the, the, these four, you know, levels of mm -hmm. happiness, which are four levels of meaning in life. And they don't have a sense of suffering and how to suffer well through their faith. It gets tougher and tougher just to read the catechism. But if you build the catechism on top of that foundation of CredibleCatholic.com, those seven essential modules, I'm telling you, uh, their faith will come alive. Uh, they'll they'll see not only the the relevance of it they'll see that there's excellent evidence the lord has not left us bereft of evidence uh, mm -hmm. for himself and uh, of course we have to be open uh, to wanting a moral agency outside of ourselves we have to be open to obedience to the teaching of of uh, christ who we believe to be the son of god he's the source of the definitive source of revelation but if we are open to obedience uh, to his teaching we are open to try and uh, you know uh, be responsible to that moral agency outside of ourselves don't worry they're going to run with it i mean they they're, they're going to be hungry for it because god mm -hmm. is present to them in their interior and is calling them all the time uh, to, to, to faith, to a deeper relationship with Him. And the minute that they start practicing their faith, I'll tell you one thing, the depression goes away. The anxiety goes away. I mean, they actually become much, not just happier people, mm -hmm. they become much more secure in their identity, their real identity, their real dignity, their real ultimate purpose in life, their real uh, ultimate ground uh, you know, in their life, mm -hmm. their real eternal salvation, the real possibility of joy and unselfishness and anti-narcissism and that love which is part of their eternal salvation and of working toward that and of living a life of service and imitation of Christ for the good of the world. I'm telling you, they're, they're going to be different, different people, not just happier, just more secure, more peaceful, which is why people with religious affiliation have significantly lower rates of depression, anxiety, substance abuse, uh, suicide, suicidal ideation, and familial right. tensions. Significantly lower. So, uh, or right. put it the other way around, non-religiously affiliated people have much higher rates, double right. and triple 
what people have who are religiously affiliated. And that's not according to me. That's according to the American Psychiatric Association. So I just leave it at that. It's all worth it. But those are some of the things that I would probably right. recommend. Absolutely. Let's get to a couple other quick questions before we get to the book. Because sure. uh, they're appropriate. Uh, dear Father Spitzer, I know we are to give up meat on Fridays during Lent. A friend told me we are to refrain from meat every Friday or at least do some other sacrifice on Fridays outside of Lent. I knew Meatless Fridays was an old custom in the church, but I thought that was eliminated by Vatican II. Anthony. Well, Anthony, abstinence from meat on Fridays during Lent has not been eliminated. So right. that is very much in place. Uh, of course, you can have fish or eggs or other things, but that's a sacrifice, uh, a little kind of a mortification uh, to be given over to the Lord out of love. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, we still continue to do that. But no, it is not required right. to do other sacrifices uh, uh, on Fridays outside of Lent. So there's no requirement for that. So I'm not sure what your friend meant you're supposed to do. Now, if you want to do it, mm. there are some people who, um, and some very good saints too, who recommend doing some additional sacrifices on Friday mm. outside of Lent, but it is not required of you. Uh, it is just recommended that that might be a sacrifice to do something uh, for the Lord out of love for Him on those Fridays outside of Lent, but you are in no way required to do that by the church. Okay. Very good. Uh, one other one here related to uh, Lent uh, from Ken. During Fridays of Lent, Father Spitzer, are we required mm. to give up meat like you just talked about? You said yes. Yeah. He says, I'm a vegetarian. Is my requirement oh. fulfilled since I don't eat meat anyway? What would be a worthy sacrifice to fulfill this Lenten requirement for Ken? So here's Ken saying, I'm not going to eat meat anyway. Uh, so yeah. do I not have to give anything yeah. up or should I give something else up? Yeah, well, you know, you don't have to give something else up, Ken. You actually do fulfill your requirement. Mm -hmm. However, uh, the main thing is I think it'd probably be a good idea. So if you have a particular vegetable or something that you're fond of, or, you know, you have the occasional beer or something like that uh, that you might want to give up, you know, um, uh, you could do that on a Friday or mm -hmm. uh, whatever it is that, you, you know, that you you would do. Uh, you know, I'm, for me, I'm a carnivore. Uh, <laughs> so uh, giving up meat is definitely uh, giving up meat. <laughs> mm -hmm. So uh, sorry to say, uh, but, um, uh, but I do think that's, a, you know, some equivalent mm -hmm. sacrifice is probably a, a good idea, but you're not required to do it. Right. Well, so, uh, so Father Mitch shoots him and then you eat him. I get it. That's how it works out. <laughs> this Jesuit uh, relationship going on here. We also, some, uh, right. I've had his, uh, <laughs> yeah. his uh, fresh venison. Yeah, that's right. Fresh, that's right. Uh, I'm sure you have. Deer and birds. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. It's a man virtual menagerie in his kitchen. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we've got, uh, here's a question related to the book. So, dear Father Spitzer, if the devil often makes life miserable for the devout, isn't it dangerous to pray, Jay? <laughs> well, you know, you could interpret it that way, but of course, that's a reductio ad absurdum. Uh, you know, let's uh, just go back to St. John Vianney or uh, St. Padre Pio, who obviously <laughs> remained ardent prayers and, in fact, you know, spent several hours a day in prayer. Um, and uh, uh, they, of course, were definitely. Um, you know, bothered by the evil spirit, but the idea for them was to turn it into a prayer by offering it up. 
So please, please, the reason that, you know, when you're praying and you're becoming much more spiritual, right, you're getting closer and closer to God. What does that mean? You're going to do more and more for the people around you. So, right, you're, you're going to be like a saint in the making. You're going to start leading people to God. In other words, you're going to be a real pain to the devil. Mm -hmm. So what's the devil going to do? Of course he's going to try and bother you. Is God going to let him bother you in any definitive way? No, of course he's not. God is going to protect you. So, I mean, you know, the devil will try and tempt you extra hard. Yes, he will. But that's part of becoming holy. Uh, the devil's going to bother you, you know, so, you know, and you get up and now you get some feeling of pressure on your chest or you got some uh, other deal going on where uh, he's trying to tempt you in some way or he's going to, like in the case of the Kiri of ours, you know, he's moving his bed around and so forth and so on. You know, these things, they, they're going to happen. I mean, you know, have you ever noticed that sometimes when you're doing something that's really going to have an effect on a, ho right. a good effect, a holy effect on a whole lot of people, you kind of get attacked. I mean, one time I was I was doing a broadcast on this very thing, on, you know, on how the, the devil works, and in right in the middle of this live streaming uh, program from this uh, group in Washington D.C., in the middle of everything, first thing that happens is the live stream goes down, mm -hmm. and the gal comes on. She says, "Don't worry about it." She says, "We'll just keep tape recording it, and we'll send it out to all of our members." Then the tape recordings goes mm -hmm. down, and then finally, of course, the whole machinery goes down you know so I just said well what do I do how about if I come back in a week and retape the whole thing and you send it out and she goes would you do that I said yes I would so of course uh, the, the you know you get attacked right, I mean right. it just happens and God lets it happen because what we do is we offer it up and we don't get daunted we don't care we're gonna keep working and we're gonna keep right. like uh, you know resisting and we're gonna keep moving beyond uh, you know the uh, the uh, the challenges that the evil spirit gives us and there's all the more merit there's all the more uh, you know uh, credit that we can offer up uh, for uh, you know the poor souls or whatever it may mm. be you know through our actions and right. this is the way Mother Teresa of course treated her own uh, nights of desolation which lasted pretty long mm. uh, you know she had a dark night of the soul there and she just kept offering it up for the poor and uh, I think that's what everybody does so right. don't you worry uh, at all about uh, you know uh, stopping praying right. because the devil uh, just wear it as a badge of honor right. hey he selected me to start you know uh, working me over with extra temptations and extra attacks not a bad deal right. I count that as my badge of I know I'm doing something right, right. when you're he's a, concerned right when yeah. you're under attack by the devil or the society <laughs> yeah. or the secularists uh, you know as mother yeah. said you're, you're, you're doing something right so let's talk about yeah. how the devil works from father's book Christ vs. Satan in our daily lives and it's chapter 4 page 187 right there you talked about the idea of us, us being attacked, you, you say in the beginning, as we begin this discussion, it must be remembered that though the Lord respects our freedom, we're not alone in this struggle, right? 
Absolutely, and so we, we are given a lot of divine companions uh, to help us, and much of it also is working through our freedom. So it took me a long time to kind of figure out, you know, that when the devil comes at me with extra temptations, right? So he's really putting, feeding stuff into my imagination. He's doing all these kinds of things. I used to kind of try and resist almost on my own until it finally occurred to me to just say, you know what, instead of entertaining the temptation or letting myself entertain the temptation, I say something like this, I despise this temptation and I despise the dark force that is tempting me and I despise the emptiness and the alienation and the loneliness that comes along with your, the devil's, uh, you know, temptations in this particular case. And the minute I started just saying, you know, I despise this temptation mm -hmm. rather than you can't sort of let it you know, once you say you despise it, once you get on that side of it, you know, it's very hard to start kind of entertaining it as something, hmm, mm. now let me think about this. You're not doing that anymore, so that idea of despise, but then also you got to just say, and I despise the, the dark forces that are doing this and doing this to people other than me and trying to drag other people in along with me and trying to undermine me so mm. that I undermine the passage and the journey of others around me that I can touch, you know, the idea then is definitely, you know, just just say, you know, I, I despise it. I despise the, the dark forces that are doing this. I despise the emptiness and the alienation and the loneliness that come along with this. I despise the breakup of my relationship with the Blessed Virgin Mary and with the Lord I love and that you're trying to alienate me from them and you're trying to di mm -hmm. distance me from them. I despise it all. And he starts saying that. I'll tell you something. You really get pretty good at resisting temptations, even very seductive ones. So the idea, you know, is you kind of learn by experience, you know, sort of how to handle it. Mm -hmm. And it comes along. You know, I didn't figure this out at first, you know, but then, you know, it sort of occurred to me one day. I thought, oh, you know, maybe this is the way to handle it. And boy, that really did, you know, it really worked. It was a really good solution. So that's the basic mm -hmm. thought. You know, uh, you know, God kind of lets us figure things right. out. You know, he gives us people to help, uh, you know, advise us. But just you got to know what you stand for. Uh, you know, and if, you know, if the temptation comes, you just got to say, I can't stand this stuff. Mm -hmm. I really do hate it. And I don't want to distance myself from my beloveds, you know, my, Mary and from the Lord. I don't, mm -hmm. I just can't, I don't want this. You know, get out of here. In fact, I despise you too, you know, n not you, but I mean mm -hmm. the devil too. Right. So the idea would be, of course, you know, um, to, to let him know, you know, that, uh, you know, and you say, well, you're not supposed to hate anybody. Hate the guy who hates everybody else. Mm -hmm. That's kind of my view is, is I, I don't hate him with the sense of saying, you know, I want him to suffer. I just hate him with the sense of I find and repudiate everything you stand for. Mm -hmm. And by hating your hatred and by repudiating your hatred, 
I actually can help other people and, and, and lessen the temptation to me because I know what you are all mm -hmm. about. You come to me with these seductions and what's the whole point of it? You're trying to undermine me, undermine the people I touch, undermine everything around me. I know what you're up to. You just hate, hate, hate and I hate your hatred. Right. And you know, as they say, the friend of my friend is my friend, but the enemy of my enemy is my friend. I'm <laughs> just kidding. But I mean, okay. in a way, it, it's really that, you know, it's, it's hating the hatred right. uh, and just ta tell, telling him, get away. You know, you, you're, just a, you're just a source of everybody's horrible, horrible destiny into the darkness. Right. Just get away. Now, in this section here, it jumps down to spiritual maturity, cosmic struggle. Uh, you say, for those seeking a way to ultimate happiness and a way out of cosmic emptiness, alienation, loneliness, and darkness, there comes a time when we must make a decision. What decision is that? Yep. Well, the decision is, is, you know, there's a point where you kind of, you know, when you're dealing with temptations, right? And that's the devil, you know, he's not going to come to you by trying to scare you at first, right? That's not going to, he's going to come to you with rationalizations. So he comes with very seductive things. And a seduction doesn't have to be on the level of the sin of lust. A seduction could be on the level of greed. So something that you want, a house or a, some clothes or jewelry that you want, that could be a seduction. Or a seduction could be, ah, living the life of Lee, you know, in the old era, you know, of, of you know, the seduction into sloth, right? Yeah. Or the idea too would be, into vanity, which is, you know, in our culture, vanity is a big deal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the seduction to vanity is so easy. Who's achieving more? Who's achieving less? Who's got more stats? Who's got less? Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, mm -hmm. show yourself off. You're so, so much better than everybody else. <laughs> they will admire you. You will love it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a seduction. Okay, so the idea then is, you know, we got to get to this point where we really hate the seduction. That's where you can bring your emotion into the picture. So where you just say, you know, my decision is, I'm not gonna entertain these seductions anymore. You know, because the devil, as St. Ignatius says, He's an enemy commander, and he's standing around the fortress, and he's looking, where is the weakest part of this mm -hmm. fortress, so I'm going to attack. So whatever your deadly sin is, just remember, he's figured it out long ago, and he's going to attack there. And the idea would be to say, okay, I'm just not going to treat that seduction with, hmm, let me think about this mm -hmm. for a second. Seems so delightful, right? And of course, when we're younger, it's easy to do that because he just grabs us. And then he gives us the rationalization on top of it, right? He says, hey, it's not so bad. Mm -hmm. Everybody's doing it. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at billions of people on Facebook. What are you, you know, you got to compete with the world here. I'm telling you, I'm a friend of human nature and I'm here to help you. So, I mean, the, the idea, of course, for the devil is he's there with both the seduction and the rationalization. And our easy task then is to decide, I'm not going to like this stuff anymore. I'm not just going to try and fight it and resist mm. it. I'm going to hate it. 
Right. Because I know what he's doing. He's trying to distance me from the ones who love me, the Lord and the Blessed Virgin Mary, and whom I love. I know what he's up to. He's trying to create this distance. Uh, he's trying to create an uh, almost enmity between mm -hmm. me and the ones who love me, truly love me. And so, of course, he's got all the rest. You know, God just loads it on you. You can never satisfy him, that veritable ogre, et cetera, et cetera. He's preaching, preaching, preaching all these lies, 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 as Jesus tells us, right into our ears. Mm -hmm. And you can resist him. And that's the thing. If you're going to resist them, hate the temptation. Don't treat it as if it has any worth, value, mm -hmm. or even a seductive value. Hate it from its inception and hate the source from whence it comes. Then you can, um, you know, from, uh, from which it comes, then you can basically... Right. Uh, uh, deal with it, and so that's the uh, so that, me, you know that's my decision. You let know, me, you, yeah. you just you know. Let me ask you this in uh, closing: uh, two two and a half minutes we've got here. Uh, you <laughs> make you, you make the point that uh, the devil's primary deception will be focused on you. So you talk about vanity, yeah. right? Trying to take your focus off your trust in our, our Lord or Jesus and putting it onto it's interesting your shortcomings. Yeah, yeah. So he's basically, of course, he's got your shortcomings, he knows them all. Mm -hmm. And he also knows the kinds of rationalizations that will be very convincing to you. So he knows those two things. You can be sure he's got the list down. C.S. Lewis does this so well in the screw tape letters. You can right. see how he, he puts it all together. But the idea uh, is to say, instead of, uh, you know, the, the worst thing you can do is say, I gotta fight this myself, or the Lord will never understand um, you know, that I've fallen for this again, or I can't believe I'm thinking these things. I've been, you know, a Catholic for how many years, and I'm still thinking of this, you know, I mean, and, and, and so forth. The Lord will never understand. Don't go there. Trust always in the Lord. Just even though something is so seductive, hate the seduction. You can do both simultaneously without mm -hmm. being schizophrenic. I mean, you can basically, you know, say, I hate what some, you know, what the devil is going to use to seduce me. Mm -hmm. And he's using it to seduce me because he knows I'm attracted to it, but I can still hate what I'm attracted to out of the love of God. And that I can do. And, and, uh, it takes some discipline at first because, of course, he gets you right away with the imagination and he tries to hold you to it. Mm -hmm. And, the, you know, what all the saints say is the more time you engage in that image, the more time you engage in that little uh, temptation that he's putting in front of your imagination's eye, right, the more time you engage, the more he's got you, he's drawing you, it's harder it is to resist as the, t the seconds tick away. So the idea is to hate it right away and go back to the one who loves you, the Lord and the Blessed Virgin Mary. They are the ones that love you, right? And the whole, you know, communion of saints up there is uh, they're the ones who love you. And uh, right. he, he looks like he's trying to help you. And don't listen to his lies. After a while, I, I know uh, the rationalizations I like. I know the best ways to make me inauthentic because I've lived through them again and again. And he uses them all.
Yeah, He's got can, a rationalization we're right at go our elbow. Through those at the beginning of next week's show, I think, because I think our, we're out of time right. and our seconds have ticked away. So we need your blessing, Father, on the way out the door for this Ash Wednesday. Okay. And bow your heads and pray for God's blessing. And may the Lord, as you begin your Lenten journey, give you the resolve to love more and more the holiness and the gift of his love and law that he has given to us through his son and through the saints so that as you appreciate the wisdom as the, uh, you appreciate the love as you appreciate the beauty of that moral law of that articulation of love you may with great freedom follow him into the fullness of light and lead others to do so in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen Amen. Thank you so much, Father Spitzer. We shall see you next week. And of course, our prayers go out to all of our friends in Ukraine. Remember that Father Spitzer's books are available in the EWTN Religious Catalog website. Next week, we'll continue on with How the Devil Works. We'll also find out some of the, those issues Father was bringing up. And don't forget, we've got a uh, bookmark this weekend. I got two books I interviewed Joe Pierce about. Uh, every what every Catholic should know. I should know that it's literature. What every Catholic should know, and also Benedict XVI, Defender of the Faith, and that's again by Joe Pearson. It's he's always interesting. And this I wanted to mention: To Believe, this wonderful docudrama about life in Ukraine under Soviet domination and persecution. Thursday, 10:30 p.m. Eastern Time. Saturday, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Also, anytime you want on demand. Check out To Believe. You won't believe it. We'll see you next time right here on Father Spitzer's Universe.